Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at RenewalChicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. Well, family, if you would go ahead and get your Bibles open, we're in Luke chapter one. We've been in our Advent series. I've been enjoying it, especially in this time of pandemic and this time uh, just just of unknown and where we've been. It just just being able to slow down a bit, slow down and just reflect on the goodness of God and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. So if you would with me, just go ahead and flip to Luke chapter one. I pray that you've been enjoying it. If you missed the last several weeks, go back and and listen to the sermons as we've been walking through Luke chapter one. It's been good to just kind of walk slowly through this this narrative up into uh, the actual birth of Jesus. So again, jump in with me in Luke chapter one, and uh, and I want you to just slow down, slow down a minute. I know it's Sunday morning. You're in your houses. The pandemic is, is the COVID cases are rising. There's so many things stirring within our soul. Slow down and let's be present to God in this moment and hear what he has to say. Luke chapter one, we're going to start in verse 46 in our text this morning. If you got it, I'm going to tell you, go ahead and write got it in the chat. And y'all make sure you write in that chat. I can't see you in person, but if you write in that chat, that's another way to amen. I've told you several times at Renewal, we are a multi-ethnic church, and I'm a black pastor and preacher, which means when you speak to me, it makes me preach a little better. So although I can't see you, I know uh, my spirit resonates with yours. So if you amen and you feel something, you write into the chat so if people can amen with you. Uh, you never know uh, what God's doing um, through the message in the hearts of the people. So uh, with all that said, let's jump into the text today. Luke chapter 1, verse 46 is where we're going to start. Uh, hear now the reading of God's word. It says, And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown great strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. The very word of God, amen. Today I want to preach on the topic, how faithful are you, part two. How faithful are you, part two. Before we go any further, let us pray. Father, Like each week, the privilege to be able to share your word humbles me greatly, God. So in this moment, I do ask that you would speak with my mouth, that you would think with my mind, God, that you would be the words that come out of my mouth. Hide me behind your cross so that you may be lifted up. Decrease, let me decrease, God, so that you may increase. It's in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus we all say together, amen. 
Amen. Well, in our passage this morning, Mary shows us, if you want to say, the part two uh, to the question of a Christian's faithfulness. What does it actually look like? I got two points for you, and I'm out your way this morning. Number one, following Jesus means death to self. Following Jesus means death to self. And number two, Jesus is better. Jesus is better. Our text today, if you're not familiar with it, it's a song. This is Mary's song, and it's a song that magnifies the Lord. It's most commonly known as the Magnificat throughout history, which is where we get our word magnify. This is a hymn of praise and thanksgiving, and we see this in the way Mary begins when she says in verse 46, my soul magnifies the Lord, meaning that her whole being is caught up with praise or overwhelmed with praise. She says, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. She's rejoicing in the news of the coming Savior, Jesus. It's the simple fact that she gets to behold the glory of God as Savior in Jesus, but also within her womb. Now, family, this is significant to note, especially knowing the direct implications to Mary surrounding the virgin birth. See, when we commonly think about the virgin birth, we think about how glorious it is and how and how wonderful it is that our Savior came to this earth. But when you really take an in-depth look at all Mary had to go through, as we gave insight to last week, the, the words, my soul magnifies the Lord, are pretty significant. See, Mary's rejoicing in the coming Savior, Jesus Christ, regardless of her circumstances. Mary's saying, every ounce of me magnifies the Lord despite my circumstances. Now, I know some of y'all are looking at your TVs or your phones and you're saying, what are you talking about, Pastor D? So, so let me break this down a bit. Stick with me. Like most songs, and, and, and many of my music aficionados would agree when I say this, when you're breaking down a song and you're listening to a song, you got to know what's happening in that artist's life or what's going on with them at that point in time to really know what makes the song significant. So to understand this song, we got to take a look at the context around it and who Mary is and what's going on in her life. Because here is the thing. When we truly understand who Jesus is biblically, when we know who he is, it leads us to song. It, it leads us to praise. It leads us to worship. See, when you come in contact with an almighty God, a, a holy God, and you understand who he truly is, it leads us to worship. So the question becomes, well, why in the world is Mary praising here? Mary, as we all know, she's the mother of Jesus. But if you look at starting in verse 26, as we looked at this text last week, you see the problem here. See, the problem with this is, and, and the also miraculous fact is that Mary is a virgin, means that she hasn't had sex with anyone. She's never laid with a man. She's a virgin when she's having this child. Now, now I know y'all know this, and you're probably like, okay, Pastor D, where you going with all this? Stick with me. Y'all stick with me. I I'm coming to your neighborhood, I promise. Friends, hear me. 
This is not just some miracle that Mary had a baby as a virgin. This was a major, major problem in society. Let me rewind the tape a bit, give you some more context of where we were uh, last week, just in case we missed it. I know that we got a lot going on in society and, 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 and things can go over our head or go in one ear and out the other. We may have forgotten what was talked about last week or you just missed it. Scholars say that Mary was no more than 15 years old and probably closer to the age of 13 because that's when women were commonly betrothed to a husband. Now, this betrothed is a legal agreement between the father of the bride and the husband-to-be, a legal agreement that can only be broken by divorce. So hear me, it's an engagement period, but it's not quite an engagement. It's a little bit more, and it's not quite marriage. They cannot sleep with each other. They also cannot sleep with anybody else during this period because they're legally binded to the other one, and that's forbidden. So it's a legal agreement in this Okay, so so when Mary, y'all hear me, all of that makes it. I'm coming to your neighborhood, I I promise. So so when Mary, she walks out and and she got this little baby bump, ain't nobody excited for her. She's not supposed to sleep with anybody, including her fiance. She's betrothed, but no, no, we don't do that. Ain't nobody excited. No, nobody is saying, oh, my God, your baby bump is so cute. No, nobody's excited. No, nobody's asking, is it a boy or is it a girl? You're so cute. No, nobody is saying no baby showers for Mary right now. No, people are thinking that she is either laid with Joseph or someone else because she's not married. There are no other explanations for this. Nobody wants to hear God put a baby in my womb. Come on now. Joseph, the man she's about to marry, was getting ready to divorce her quietly, as the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 1, verse 19, because he couldn't believe it himself. And and, and if it had not been for the angel Gabriel coming to him and giving him his own vision, I don't believe this dude would have got it. I I don't know if he would have actually believed for himself. Friends, women were stoned for such actions. I mean, think of it this way. If one of my girls, I got four girls, if one of them come in the house, at 14 years old, and they say, Daddy, I'm pregnant. And, and the angel is the one who told me I'm pregnant with a baby. And y'all, I, I'm telling you right now, I'm probably going on the black market, Cabela's or Bass Pro Shop or something. I'm buying me a shotgun, and I'm going angel hunting. This don't make no sense. The angel tells you you're pregnant? I mean, could you imagine this as a parent? Or the husband to be, the, your wife or your daughter is walking around talking about God impregnated me. What? This makes no sense. And Mary doesn't even believe it. Verse 34, she said, how can this be? I, I'm a virgin. And the angel, not just anybody, says the Holy Spirit Come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and therefore the child will be called holy, the Son of God. Then, as if it's not enough, or the angel even knows it, it's like that must not be enough evidence. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell Mary because Mary is probably like you know if we're married, like man, that sounds real good. I'm pregnant, 
and God, God gave me a baby. I, I'm pregnant. Okay, cool, cool. The angel probably already knows this. So he said, look, I know you don't believe me. So, so your cousin who in her old age is barren, you, you know, your, your girl uh, Elizabeth, she's not able to have a baby. But guess what? Six, she's six months pregnant with, with John the Baptist. So after Mary has her interchange with the angel, after he says that, she, she literally, as the text says, she runs to her cousin's house and she walks in. Elizabeth is, is, is six months pregnant and, and at six months you can, you can notice a little bit that she's pregnant and, and Mary greets her. And it says that as soon as she greets her, the baby that's within Elizabeth's stomach, this is John the Baptist, leaps for joy at the sound of Mary's voice because John the Baptist knows the sound of his Savior's mother's voice. And, and Elizabeth, as soon as this happens, she immediately says, blessed are you among women because of the fruit of your womb. Friends, I hope you're tracking with me and you're getting the picture here. The virgin birth was both problematic, but also miraculous. Both problematic and miraculous. The virgin birth was not just something that was praised by everyone. No, it wasn't. It wasn't praised by everyone unless they knew of it from God. And and it was miraculous because only God could do something so impossible. But it's just like God to use someone or something so far out or unbelievable to glorify himself. He uses a 14 year old girl right here in the passage to bring Jesus into the world. Family, this brings us to our first point, though. See, following Jesus means death to self. Now, now, I know it sounds pretty harsh, right? Stick with me. I I promise. I'm telling you I'm coming to your neighborhood if I'm not already there. See, I I, I could picture Mary just strolling through Nazareth with people giving her the stank eye. People with their heads down, looking at her up and down saying who knows what about her, not wanting to be her friend anymore, unfriending her on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, just straight canceling Mary, family disowning her. It's just her and Joseph, and that's only after he has his own vision. Friends, what I'm trying to point out to you, if you haven't caught it by now, is that it can be a very lonely place sometimes when God calls you to do something or you simply say, I'm going to follow God no matter what. It it, it can be a lonely place when you start to live truly as a believer. See, looking at this text, again, there's only a handful of people that, that really know. There's only a handful of people that really believe what's going on with Mary. That's Zachariah and his wife, Elizabeth, who's pregnant with John the Baptist. And then you got Joseph and Mary. And that's out of a town of literally probably a thousand people or so, or even more than that. And hear me, it's really just Joseph and Mary because Zachariah and Elizabeth, they are in Judah. So they're all alone in this town. Friends, hear me again. It can sometimes be a lonely journey when you're walking with God. Here's the savior of the world coming and no one believes or knows except four people. See, it's easy to look at this virgin birth and say, wow, Mary got to deliver Jesus. It's great. Yeah, yeah, it is. But 
But being Mary would not have been fun at all. Her life as she knew it was done. Her life as she probably dreamed it up was over. Mary and Joseph would become outcasts for the rest of their life because she would always be known as the woman who slept around before marriage. And then he would be known as the man who accepted her just as she was. Y'all, some of y'all are missing what I'm saying. So let me try to make it a bit more plain because I can't have you miss what's going on in this text. Sometimes living for Jesus poses problems for us because it causes us to die to who we are right now or who we dreamed of being in the future. Let me say that again. I want you to miss that sometimes living for Jesus poses problems for us because it causes us to die to who we want to be or who we are right now. But hear me, though, renewal. For the Christ follower, many times it's not because you did anything. It's not because of anything you do in this process. It's simply because when you really come to understand and embrace the fullness of Jesus and his goodness, your motivations become different. Y'all better amen me now. Y'all, your outlook on life becomes different. Your, your, your life becomes about him and others more than yourself. I know somebody's with me. This is what can make the Christian walk hard because when we're walking with Jesus truly, family, it does change you, and you may not want to change. But hear me again. This is not a change that you make. But when you come to embrace the goodness of who Jesus is and what he's done for you, he changes you for the better. The gospel changes you, not you changing yourself. Amen? I've shared part of my story with you all before, and some of you may remember this, but when I was going to college, right before I went to college, I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I was going to play college football at Indiana University. Go Hoosiers, y'all, they killing everybody in the nation. Bump all them other Big Ten schools, especially them boiler fakers or boiler makers. You know, the the Hoosiers, uh, Hoosiers pride. I went to play football there, and I was so excited about it. This is my dream all throughout my life. I've been wanting to play football at at a, a D1 college, and it's coming up. And here's the reality. It was really an idol in my life. It was something that I was worshiping that I wanted to do for myself. I worked so hard for it. It's my achievement. And I just accepted Christ and I get to football practices and camps and we're scrimmaging and all of this and I'm doing well. But I I have this weird feeling within myself that I don't want to play football anymore. And I'm like, I don't know what this is because this is what I wanted to do my whole life. And I'm praying to God. And and one day it was just really bad. And I knelt down in the middle of the field and I said, look, I told God something. This is where I messed up. You can't tell God nothing, but I'm ignorant, new to the faith. And I say, God, look, if you don't want me to play football anymore, you need to stop me today. That same day, no lie, I suffered a career-ending injury the same day. So needless to say, God answered my prayer. Watch what you pray for, as they say. (laughs) And uh, on top of that, family, I was a direct admit into the business school, the Kelly School of Business there 
at Indiana University. It's a very prestigious accolade and prestigious school and highly looked up to in terms of business schools all over the nation. I was really good with math and numbers and people. And so I got into this at coming straight from high school into college and I was excited about this, and, and business just kind of fit my personality. And, and on top of that, y'all, I wanted to make a whole lot of money. And then I began to take my courses, and as I'm in the courses, it's not that they were so hard, but I'm sitting there, and, and I'm getting that feeling again like I shouldn't be doing this. And I'm like, Lord, what is going on? I, I, I ain't going to tell you nothing this time because I already know what happens when I, when I tell you something, God. So I, I don't know what's going on. And, and what I began to do, family, is starting to bargain with God. Y'all ever bargained with God a bit? You know, he's just, yeah, God, if I, if I do this, you you can do this for me. God, if I, I scratch your back, then you scratch my back a little bit. So I started bargaining with God. And I'm like, all right, God, I'll leave the business school, but and then I'll become uh, an, a direct admitted to the in the pre-med program. So and if I do that, God, I can do medicine and I can help people and I can make a, a little bit of money. Doesn't that sound good, God? And, and so I left the business school, became a direct admit into the pre-med program and jumped into that. And, 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 and I started studying and, and the feelings started arising again. I'm like, what is going on? Why do I feel as if I'm doing something wrong with my life? And all the while, I'm taking elective classes. Watch this. I'm taking elective classes in communication and culture, which is the study of people, literary works, and speech. And, and I'm also taking elective classes in African-American history and studies and studying African-Americans across the diaspora and, and, and basically where I come from and how we get to where we are today. And I'm looking at these two paths, and I'm like, I can get a double major in both of them, but God, I can't make no money doing that. But I'm enjoying it. And see, what I didn't realize is that all the while, that same time, Kaylee and I, we started a ministry on campus, reaching out to African-Americans, and, and I'm preaching the gospel, and I'm leading Bible studies, and the ministry is blowing up, and God is at work. See, what God was trying to show me is that, Derek, this is what you're going to do. And much of that is going to involve, watch this, the study of people, cultures, history, and speech. And sadly, you may not make all the money you thought you were going to make doing this. See, I believe that God knew if I had became a businessman or a doctor like I thought I should be, I, I wouldn't have fully served him with my life. And, and hear me, that's not to say that you can't be a businessman or, or a doctor and fully serve him and make money and serve him. I know plenty of people and my friends and family included that are doctors and business folks that love Jesus with their hearts. I, that, that's not what I'm saying. But what I'm really saying, family, don't miss it, is that God knew my real motivations behind my aspirations. And, and because of that, he had to do some hard work on me before he could use me where he wanted to. God was killing the desire in me to bring glory to myself and instead replacing it with a desire to bring glory to him. Amen, somebody. Don't miss where I'm going with this. Friends, what I'm trying to say to us is that when we come to know Jesus' family, he changes us. See, Jesus' work in our lives forces us to die to ourselves and live for him, which is problematic 
only because in our culture or in our lives, here it is, your life is no longer your own. It's not in your own hands anymore. You're no longer in control. God is. And if we're honest, even though your story may not be like like mine, this is probably what scares most people about living for Jesus or the faith period because your life and your choices are no longer solely up to you. And that's a problem for our culture because we live in this constant state of wanting control all the time. It's really problematic, especially right now in this time where we're in a, in a space of pandemic and ain't nothing in our control. We don't know when we get out of this. We don't know what's happening. And, and fear is running rampant. You're like, should I buy a house right now? I don't know if I should do this or buy a car. Should I date this person? You, you don't know what to do when you're all over the place and your fear is going crazy. Family, did you know that fear, it, it, it's really rooted in control because we only fear what we can't control? But see, when we fail to cease control and go, let God take the will, we're really failing to believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're really failing to believe the fact that God is for me and that he died for me that he will never leave me nor forsake me. We're we're forgetting his promises and the fact that he's truly good. And what happens is we begin to put ourselves on the throne of our life and we take God off of it. I got this, God. But See, this is why I love Mary in this text because she does just the opposite. When called to do something crazy for God, knowing that it literally will end her life as she knows it, she submits, she holds on, and she says, let it be to me. Mary says, my soul, my soul magnifies the Lord. Which means there's, there's no room for doubt here. There, there's, there's no room for control. It's not about my desire. It's about you, Lord, and you alone. She says, it's not about me. It's about you. Which is why she can say, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Renewal, let me ask you. Are you truly rejoicing in Jesus this morning? We're in the season of Advent, but are you truly rejoicing in your Savior, in the goodness of Jesus Christ? I mean, have you died to yourself and given him all of you? Many of us, some of us may not have actually trusted and believed in him. Maybe this is the time where you do that right now. Have you truly given him all of you, understanding his goodness? Are you letting him work and change you? And, and I know some of you are probably sitting there and you're thinking, okay, well, well I see Mary doing all this. Pastor D, you, you talked about a little bit last week. I, 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 I'm getting where you're going with her. But how in the world do I really give my all to God? This brings us to the second point. 
we have to believe that Jesus is better. Got to believe he's better. Friends, when we truly know that Jesus is Savior and can take care of us, then all else, including our wants and our desires, don't matter because what's better than having Jesus? It's better. A new house? Bible says that Jesus has a house for me in heaven. And guess what? It ain't got no alarm on it. <laughs> no ruckus outside, no taxes, no mortgage. Y'all hear me? Jesus is better. I need a new job. I need more money. Well, the Bible tells me that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And the word tells us that he will supply all our hearts needs and all our riches in Christ Jesus. And not just on this earth, but as it is in heaven, meaning forever. Jesus is better. I need a man or I need a woman. I know I walked into someone's kitchen with this one. Well, the Bible tells me that Jesus will be there through the thick and the thin and never will he leave you or forsake you. He will be with you, not just on this earth, but also in heaven. Y'all, guess what? My wife can't do that for me. Jesus is better. When we understand the true fulfillment of who Jesus is in our lives, then like Mary, our soul and every ounce of us can magnify God. So, Friends, let me ask you, do you truly believe that Jesus is better? Fill in the blank. Whatever it is in your heart that, that you believe is the utmost or better, is, is Jesus better than that thing or that person? See, it's an amazing place to be in when we realize that Jesus is bigger and he's better than anything in our lives because now we can have the freedom for worry. We can have the freedom from doubt and stress and pain and temptations because he's better. We've chosen God. We've chosen Jesus, the good portion. Is he better? See, Mary realizes that Jesus is better even in the midst of persecution. And guess what? Keep looking at this text and now knowing the context, y'all, y'all see she starts to rattle off praise. Look back with me at verse 46 of the text. Uh, Mary starts and she says, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior, for he has looked upon the humble state, a state of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed for he who is mighty, has done great things for me, and holy is his name. See, without breaking down the whole song here, word for word, but simply knowing the context, we can now hear the passion behind her praise. We can now hear the thankfulness behind her praise. We can now hear her worship. Friends, Mary's life as she knew it had ended, but her life paled in comparison to know the Savior that was in her womb. Her life as she knew it was done, but really in essence, because of Jesus, her life was truly just beginning. She gave it all up for him. Friends, I I ask you again, is Jesus better. Now, as we end in in times like this right now, I I know I'm right there with you. 
it's times like this and times of pandemic and fear and everything that's going on in our society, mayhem, political craziness, all of this, that it's, it gets tough sometimes to really believe that uh, Jesus is better. It's tough. And sometimes you just got to you just got to pray your way through it. As the old saints would say, sometimes you, you just got to pray and, and just and worship your way through it to get your head lining up with your heart. Some of y'all go with me on this. It, it's sometimes hard to believe. And, 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 and there's been many times, even in my own life, where I'm walking through the house and I'm feeling anxiety. I'm overcome with this. And I just drop to my knees and I say, God, help me believe that you're better. There's a song that I love, and I've shared this with some of you all before. Austin Song Worship, there's some lyrics in it that I love, and I love to read them, and I'm going to share them with you. And I just want you to let these words fall over you and meditate on these, the lyrics and, and look at them with me. It begins and says, glory, glory, we have no other king but Jesus, Lord of all. Raise the anthem, our loudest praises ring. We crown him Lord of all. In all my sorrows, Jesus is better. Make my heart believe. In all my victories, Jesus is better. Make my heart believe. Than any comfort, Jesus is better. Make my heart believe. More than all riches, Jesus is better. Make my heart believe. Our souls declaring, Jesus is better. Make my heart believe. Our song eternal, Jesus is better. Make my heart believe. Glory, glory, we have no other king but Jesus, Lord of all. Family, I ask you again, is Jesus better? Is he better than any sorrow? Is he better than any victory? Is he better than any comfort? Is he better than all riches? Do you believe the words of this song? Renewal, is he better? See, family, when you look at the text in this scripture, Mary, she may not have known all that Jesus would do or who he would become or how he would do it, but she knew that he was God and her Savior, and it led her to pray. When we know truly who Jesus is as our Savior and God, who stepped out of heaven, born as a baby, grew to be a man, grown up like us, took our sins on the cross, died for us, took it to the grave, rose three days later. When we understand the fullness of who Jesus is and what he's done for us, nothing else matters. And it leads us to praise because he is better. So again, I ask you, is he better? Family, is he better? And hear me, if you're struggling with him being better, if you're struggling to answer that question, I need you to hear me. Remember the words of that song and just pray them. Make my heart believe. Because here's the thing. When we're trying to answer the question of faithfulness in a believer's life, it will always remain a question if we don't believe in the goodness of God. 
me say it again. If we're struggling with the question of our faithfulness, it will always remain a struggle if we don't believe that God is good. Family, is he better? Let's pray together. Father, right now, God, I do ask that you would enter our hearts right now, all of us, into the heart of the person right now that is struggling with belief in this season. Maybe they've never placed their faith in you, Lord Jesus. I pray that you would avail yourself and reveal your goodness, God, as we've done through the word, that they would fall in love with your scripture you would do some changing in their hearts, reorient them to glorify you with every ounce and every part of their life, God. I also pray for the person that's struggling with belief, period. As believers all over the place right now, we've never been in a season of pandemic. God, I, I pray that, that you would make our hearts believe, that you would give us rest from the anxiety and the worry and the stress that we would intentionally turn our eyes to you. And when we feel the worry or the fear rising up, that we drop to our knees and say, Father, fill me with your peace. Remind me of your goodness towards me. Remind me that the worries here on earth pale in comparison to how good you are to me today will be in the future to come. Father, make our hearts believe and know that you are better. It's in your mighty name we all pray. Say together, amen. Thanks again for tuning into our podcast today. I pray that it was a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. I look to see you at one of our services at 930 or 11 a.m. on Sunday morning. Take care. God bless you.